Welcome back. I'm Nathaniel Quinn, producing director of Wolverine Reads. Previously on Wolverine Reads. Why won't you show me what you've written? How do you know I've written anything? You can't answer my question with a question. That's against the rules. Whose rules? You're a sphinx, you know that? What do I have to do here? Answer some riddle? Complete a series of heroic tasks before I have access to your wisdom? What wisdom? That's another question, Kay. Not an answer. I don't have answers! My proposal doesn't even make sense to me yet. Everything about it is upside down and backward. Mozart could speak entire sentences in reverse. It's a sign of intelligence. <laughs> Madness. Let's continue with part three of Physics for Poets by playwright Kristen Katie Carlson and featuring the voice talents of Emma Maxfield and Ethan Lee Knowles. criticism could kill me. Come on. You faced worse. Your students practically burned you in effigy last year. Are you trying to be encouraging? I'm trying to point out that this proposal is just another hurdle on the grad school track. You can just clear it. Stop with the sports metaphors. This isn't just a paper anymore. What is it then? Life or death? God, Kay, just trust yourself for once. No, oh, like you do. Trust myself to regurgitate Exactly what I know my professors want to hear. Real brave, Brian. Don't you dare lecture me about trusting myself. I can't believe you're throwing away a fabulous academic career because of a sophomoric panic attack. Would you stop with the psychobabble? How dare you call me sophomoric? I didn't call you sophomoric. I called your response to this particular challenge sophomoric. You have no idea what I'm going through. So tell me, have you noticed that whenever our conversation gets remotely personal, you retreat back into the life and times of William Blake? I am not retreating! I'm gonna take a wild guess that you've never failed before and you're scared shitless that you just might this time. And you know what? I say it's about time you fell from your ivory tower pedestal. You're the one putting me on a pedestal. So jump down. What are you afraid of? Who says I'm afraid? You almost took off my hand over a Twinkie. If you're so fearless, why don't you even read my proposal? You think I'm intimidated? I, I, I don't know what to think. Wait. You really want to play? True confessions. Truth or dare, Brian? I want the truth. I dare you to tell me the truth. The truth is... I am having some kind of... inexplicable experience that makes it impossible for me to return to the same little tedious literary theories. Even brilliant people can get writer's block. I don't have writer's block. I... Look at my topic, Brian. Who else would study a lunatic but another lunatic? You're not crazy. I thought I'd put Blake in a little box, define his mythologies, but he's blown the box to bits, Brian. Maybe the critics are right. Maybe Blake was mad. Maybe I am. Do you know a single completely sane person? Look at Holmes with his fixation on Old English. A dead language, by the way. What makes him so sane? Will you tell me? Where's the line between a healthy imagination and madness? Because 
I feel like I'm on pretty shaky ground. Like talked to dead people routinely. And now I'm what? Tell me, I'm an academic. It's my job to keep an open mind. <laughs> Forget academics. Blake believed he could make the imagined real and that he could somehow project anything he imagined into the world. That's no wackier than the concept of manifesting things by thinking about them. There's a lot that straight-up neuroscience can't explain. Very comforting. Well, I'm serious. Maybe Blake was just ahead of his time. The truth is, the brain can't tell the difference between reality and dreams. The neuronal pathways look exactly alike. Blake sometimes signed his works prefaced with the word Invene. Invented by. <laughs> Two years of prep school Latin finally pays off. <laughs> he wanted the world to know that the image was his, from his imagination alone. Do you see him? There. Beneath that spot on the wall. <laughs> it's the very presence of the man. Uh, Proud spirit. Um, Hold still. The great emperor. Caesar, do you see now? Only through your eyes. Yes. A Roman nose, but the chin. Ah! But damn, he moves his chin. Flesh and spirit are, are one and cannot be divided. Oh. Catherine, please stay by me. Uh, damn, he flees with the light. That's how I feel about Blake. Like, I can't get a grip on him because he won't hold still. He's dead, Kay. Haven't you ever had a dream? Or a fleeting, waking moment in which someone long gone appears and conveys some message to you? Uh, sort of. Are you saying that Blake actually speaks to you? Why do you study Shelley? No one forced him on you. Why Shelley? I like his work. His work speaks to you? Sure. Why not? Then you've spoken to the dead. That's how I talk with Blake. You're passionate about your topic. I'm in love with a dead guy. He isn't telling you to jump off a bridge or anything. See, this is why I don't talk to you. No, d don't, please. I have a better question. I promise. <sighs> when did he start talking to you? Uh, Blake. London. It's like my tour guide opens some portal or passage and I can't seem to get it closed. At the final stop on the tour, he points out Blake's grave in Bunhill Fields. A plain little stone. Not what you'd expect at all. Disappointed, are you? People tend to have expectations about reaching the end point of a little tour. Actually, the real journey begins here. I thought there'd be an epitaph or something. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Life exists beyond our limited senses, my dear. Everything exists, and not one thing, nor sigh, nor smile, nor tear, one hair, nor particle of dust. Not one can pass away. Then, he presses this piece of paper into my hand. 
and vanishes into the mist. What was on the paper? The hours of the reading room at the Victoria and Albert. They have some Blake originals there. You can check them out with an international driver's license. They didn't even search me for a Sharpie. <laughs> Trust. What a concept. I'd uh, seen reprints before, but suddenly I'm holding these incredibly charged works of art, and it's like I've grabbed onto an electric fence, and I can't let go. I've been stripped naked, and everything I think I know keeps spinning into infinity. <laughs> A glimpse of eternity. Yes. Time just keeps bending in on itself until this long-dead poet is more alive than my committee head. Compared to Wallace, he just might be. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm there. The day that I'm there, at the reading room, there's a lecture series starting. All these Blake experts, from professors to art critics. Hmm. Talk about hitting the jackpot. That's what I thought, that's what I thought, but then, I'm sitting at the lectures, pen in hand, and I start taking notes. The personal mythology of William Blake is one of the most complex systems of thought germinated and in the Romantic all Age. All I can think dismissed is, as a lunatic I don't by his ever want to give a lecture like that again. Or write a paper like that again. And I swear to myself that I won't. So don't. Don't write a boring proposal. Get an extension and attack the topic from a mystical... You can't attack mysticism. Don't you see? The point of a tiger is to be wild. The point of a mystic is to be inscrutable. I don't want to tame the tiger or decode the divine. I've been scorched by a passing comet, and the experts are all too busy measuring its velocity and the length of its tail to even feel the heat. Just look at this etching. God creating the universe, right? Sort of, but it's not really God. It's Blake's representation of a tyrant God created by humans. Why is he holding a compass? In Blake's mythology, he's called Urizen. A thinly veiled reference to your reason. A limited version of God, bound by religious dictates. Sorry. I'm giving you a lecture, aren't I? <laughs> Default mode. That's okay. I like the painting. <laughs> it reminds me of a nuclear explosion. All that heat and light and power right in the center. It's like creation and destruction all in one. Exactly! That's why I can't turn in my proposal. To create the proposal I want to create means to destroy my academic career. You know, it's a rare kind of inflated self-importance to think that you could write something so bad that it would cause mass destruction. Trust me. Your committee has seen worse than whatever you're thinking about, No, uh, I discovered something in London. I knew it. What? A new commentary? Nothing that straightforward. Uh, an alternative manuscript? Uh, I'm right. Oh, shit. Virgin territory. Why does the male of the species play everything in the context of conquest? That's why men go to war, you know. Unsatisfied sexual tension. Could we have this little Venus-Mars discussion later? Do you know what a new manuscript could mean for your career? This is the safe proposal. The one I started before I left. You've written more than one? <sighs> I really need a drink. 
You pissed me off, you know that? What the hell are you waiting for? Blake to come in person to defend your proposal? You don't seem to understand. No! You don't understand. You're asking me to drop my push arm. I forgot. You didn't grow up in Iowa. When I went to my first junior high dance, my mom said, keep one arm out like this, and if anyone gets too close, just push. I spent the whole night dancing like Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> At least you were dancing. Life is risque. That etching I showed you? The Ancient of Days. Oh, this poem is about that painting. Blake wrote an ekphrastic poem about his own art? All I'm saying is that the painting and the poem are related. Crouched in a fetal position, cradled in the womb of the sun, the Ancient of Days thrust one sculpted arm through the hymen of a virgin world. Beard blown aside by the force of his designs, he ponders good and evil drawn together in the orb he circumscribes. Poised on one knee, the Ancient of Days peers into the void, twirling his double-edged sword. To divide life from death, peace from war. Despite full knowledge of the outcome, he splits the fragile atom, the hot blast shaking fiery doves from his hair. <laughs> this isn't like anything I've ever read by him. You sure of the authorship? Positive. How? Just... Just trust me. Where'd you find it? I was in the Victoria and Albert when it just sort of leapt out at me. I hate you. Thanks. You make it so easy to talk to you. If this got leaked out to the press, we'd have a three-ring circus in here. It is original. No one else has written on it. You're sure? Yeah, I'm sure. How do you know? Because... I wrote it. You forged a Blake poem? No wonder you're panicked. No. I have no intention of trying to pass it off as a Blake. Crazy, right? But how much crazier is it to study the works of others without ever attempting to create something original ourselves? You wrote that poem. You want to know another little secret that doesn't show up on my transcripts? The worst grade I ever got. <laughs> An incomplete. <laughs> in creative writing. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's a pass-fail situation, Kelly. I know. <laughs> I blew off every critique session I was supposed to have with my professor. Uh... <laughs> I can't imagine you not turning your work in. Oh, no. I <laughs> turned it in. I just never went to the mandatory reviews. Why? That's the easy part. At the end of the semester, along with my... Incomplete notice, the professor put a note in my mailbox. It said, you can write, do you care? Did you? But don't you see? I cared too much. You're in the wrong department. <sighs> I'm in the wrong life. I, I gotta admit, you're the last person I would have expected. I know. Poets are crazy, unbalanced people who drive too fast and drink too much and have... Affairs with other people's spouses. They're hermits or adventurers who go on hunting expeditions and shoot themselves. They're desperately interesting and intelligent people who gas themselves in their kitchen. They're not nice girls from the Midwest, is that it? It's bad enough to be an academic. Uh, I see. Responsible people buy land, settle down, 
At worst, get tenure. Do you know any Greek? Nope, but I'm sure you do. I studied religion as an undergrad. You studied religion? What? People from California can't study religion? There was a retired physics professor who hired a religion student every semester as a chauffeur. <laughs> I can't picture it. <laughs> I didn't have to wear a uniform or anything. Yeah, anyway, it turns out that this particular professor was a key player in the Oppenheimer project. The atom bomb? <laughs> carries a huge load of guilt. So I drive and he talks. Where did you drive him? Pottery classes. <laughs> Facing the nothingness of potential world annihilation helped him believe in something beyond particulate matter. It made him feel better to make things. Which brings me to the one word of Greek I know. Which is? Pini. The root for our word poetry, but in Latin it's more of an active the best example is in the story of the Good Samaritan when the lawyer's told to go out, to go and do likewise. He's actually being told to go and poet, to go create a new way of seeing the world. I can't believe you're telling me Bible stories. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not religious, despite my training, but even I can see that if the creative spirit of the universe, call it what you will, wants us to create, then maybe we owe it to whatever gave us that drive. You're not who I thought you were. Who knew you were a poet? <laughs> Not me. Now, uh, I can't stop. So don't. Aren't you glad Blake didn't? Yeah, but he was Blake. I've always been a scholar, Brian. A good one. I've never been particularly beautiful or socially adept. I, don't. I've always been the smart girl. Just to prove who I was. I took the hardcore physics for physics majors instead of the alternate astronomy class, <laughs> otherwise known as physics for poets. I stuck out that 8 a.m. physics class and even got an A-. Now, I'm thinking of dropping out completely. After six years of work, Brian, six years, I've wasted my life. Nothing is wasted. You want to walk in Blake's footsteps. Challenge the academy. Make them ask you to leave. You'd be in good company. Shelley got kicked out of Oxford. Why are you being so... Attentive? Supportive? Mercy has a human heart. Pity a human face. And love a human form divine. And peace the human dress. The divine image. I love that poem. <laughs> I know a little bit about Blake. <laughs> he gets thrown in with huh. Keats and Shelley a lot. I know, I hate that. He was not a romantic. Uh, maybe not, but I am. <laughs> pathetic, huh? But I'll tell you what's truly pathetic. Jumping through hoops like a trained pony. You're not a trained pony. I'm fine with it. <laughs> There's no need for you to defend me. I, I know who I am. The question is, do you know who you are? <sighs> I think I'm a woman about to commit academic suicide. Blake died happy, didn't he? He died singing. Absolutely euphoric. No. You be Blake. Don't be afraid. Every death is a rebirth and improvement in the state of the departed. What is it that floats in my tea? A bit of cream only. No. Not only. See here. The angel. 
Don't you see the wings fluttering about my spoon? Oh, yes. Are forever stirring up the angels. No. What is now proved was once only imagined. But man has closed himself up till he sees all things through the narrow chinks of his cavern. If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear as it is. Infinite. Infinite. <sighs> Eternity is in love with the productions of time. To create is our mandate. I won't forget it. Have I not squandered my life? Your life. It's just beginning. Paradise. I see now what I had only before imagined. I'll close your eyes to keep the vision in. <sighs> the dreaded push arm. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not getting any ideas. He who binds himself to a joy does the winged life destroy. But he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. Shh! No, 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 D don't go. It's not, mm, it's not you. I just, I, uh, I need, I need a pen. Sorry. No, no. hey, when inspiration strikes. Suddenly, the last lines for this poem I've been working on came shooting down from the sky. <laughs> I wish inspiration would just shoot me. Well, it helps to keep a pen in your hair. It's like a lightning rod. What is it people say? Inspiration comes to the one with his butt in the chair and the pen in his hand. <laughs> or her hand. Right. Have a cigar to celebrate? <sighs> Blake had this obsession with lines. Without the dividing line, all is chaos. Honestly, I think Blake would love chaos theory. I mean, Stephen Hawking's would make a whole heck of a lot more sense to him than Newton. <laughs> I haven't really kept up with my physics. There's order in the chaos, just like Blake conjectured. There are little worlds within worlds, universes within universes. To see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wildflower. To hold the universe in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. Exactly. Time only appears to move forward because that's all we're capable of perceiving. Hmm. Hey. Oh. Hey. The physicists are right. Time is malleable, at least in the present. And today, it sits still. The lightning. <laughs> hmm. It's my proposal. Just read the first part and ignore the academic bullshit. Okay, um, start here. <clears throat> oh. The term poet applies to all creative minds who break free from their age and place. I'm focusing on a defense of poetry. I always forget that piece. Shelley's got a few good things to say, but now it's your turn. Read something to me, of yours. How about that poem you just finished? It's not really finished yet. It needs some refinement. Hmm. 
Improvement makes straight roads, but the crooked roads without improvement are roads of genius. I got that off a of fridge magnet. <laughs> <laughs> you have to imagine another Blake painting. Oh, uh, uh, Flames of Furious hmm. Desires. Here. I want to hear it in your voice. Poetry's meant to be all, remember? Read it. I dare you. Ha. <laughs> <sighs> um. <clears throat> oh. Flames of furious desire. Oh. Subversive prophet. Self-proclaimed devil's advocate. Prayers rose from your blackened press like incense. Sermon to eradicate pale mimicry from your worship of art incarnate. You laid yourself down on the white-hot altar of eternity, a living sacrifice to the creative spirit. Go on. Finish it. Finish reading. I only wish you knew. Do you? How you ignite a new generation. How your words warm my mouth even now. How they spark against my teeth, scalding the back of my throat with explosive ecstasy. He knows. What's the line? And everything exists and not one thing. Not one sigh, nor smile, nor tear. One hair nor particle of dust. Not one can pass away. Thank you for joining us for Physics for Poets by Kristen Katie Carlson, featuring Emma Maxfield, Ethan Lee Knowles, and directed by Nathaniel Quinn, with sound engineering by Kyle Harper, theme music by Emma Maxfield, and featuring the song Secret William, performed by Sonia Lindman, with special assistance and thank you to Miranda Gutlein as our dialect coach. If you've been enjoying our content, please head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash Wolverine Reads and consider becoming a patron.
We are passionate about creating and celebrating new theater. Becoming a patron helps us to continue creating and improving our craft. And from all of us at Wolverine Theatrics, thank you for listening, liking, and sharing.